the Wolverines quite literally run over the Huskies. We'll discuss that and more next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Tim Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. season is over. You and I know. It's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Greetings, Go Blue, and welcome to this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Apologize for the, no pun intended, Spartan setting here, but we are undergoing a massive wasp infestation of our studio. Uh, The landlord has been out here, and I'm trying to think now. They've removed, I believe, eight wasp nests uh, that were associated with our HVAC and our ventilation system. So uh, given I'm deathly allergic to the things, I just thought it was best if I uh, join you from an undisclosed location while we uh, iron out uh, the pest problem here in the studio. But don't worry, you'll get your same normal mediocre takes on Michigan that you are accustomed to here on Michigan Podcast. And you'll also get our good friend Mark Rogers, perhaps the one and only reasonable Ohio State fan, and I would imagine a lot of Michigan fans want to hear from him this week after what happened to the Buckeyes, right? He will be joining us here momentarily, so stay tuned for that. But first, let us begin with what we teased here at the top. The Wolverines absolutely running over, literally, quite literally running over Washington on Saturday. First and foremost, let's let's deal with the elephant in the room, shall we? What about the passing game? Now, let me just say this, and and I'm a staunch advocate of evolving with the modernized times in which we live. But still, even with today's wide open offenses, you lose a lot more games 
passing for over 300 yards than you do rushing for over 300 yards. It's it's very difficult, not impossible, but you got to do a lot of other things wrong to lose a game in the Power Five when you have so physically dominated your opponent that you're rushing for over 300 yards in a game. That being said, I'll get back to that in a moment and the outstanding performance by the offensive line. That being said, I don't blame anybody at all, and I was there uh, early on when it was 10 to nothing and it felt like we were going to waste this outstanding defensive start. Uh, I don't blame anybody at all for being concerned about that. In fact, I would urge you uh, on Sam Webb's show on WTKA, he's got former Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner on there doing a Monday morning quarterback each week. It's it's an outstanding watch and listen as he breaks down film. And Devin's doing a great job right now as an analyst for Fox Sports. And he walked through how he did not believe Michigan intended to run the ball 56 times. But that this he he actually used an analogy to a game he played against UConn in 2013, when just for whatever reason he could never get comfortable, he just couldn't get the job done, and eventually offensive coordinator Al Borges just told him, "We're handcuffing you here, kid, and we're gonna run the football because now we got to win the damn game." And he really thinks that's what Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh did here. That early on it was very clear Cade McNamara was uncomfortable for whatever reason. And they just didn't want to mess around and lose the football game. They got, you know, criticized for doing that with Joe Milton at times last year, trying to kind of force the square peg into the round hole. And they said, hey, we got a pretty physically dominant offensive front. We ran for 300 yards last week. We have two dynamic tailbacks. Let's see if we can win the game like that. And lo and behold, they actually did. In fact, they ran for more yards against Washington, a team that over the last five years has given up only 131 yards rushing on average per game. And they became the first time, or only the third time, I should say, in school history that Michigan had two guys gain over 150 yards rushing in the same game. So, yes, I understand that if you want to beat the teams that ultimately determine the success or lack thereof of a Michigan football season, you have to have more of a passing game. However, I don't know any football coach not named Lincoln Riley or Steve Spurrier that if they could run the ball 56 times for six yards a pop and win the football game by 21 points, and that's leaving a touchdown uh, off the scoreboard with a goal line stand, would not sign up to do that right away. So, yes, I think you can be concerned about what this means about the passing game going forward, especially because there were times the last two years against substandard competition that Michigan could have worked on its passing game with a Shea Patterson and didn't do that. And then you saw them pay for it later in the game that matters the most at the end of the season. So if you're dubious that Michigan is setting you up to do that again, I cannot blame you. That being said. In no way, shape, or form, and boy, don't those all blues with the maize trim. Don't those just pop uh, as you're looking at them there right now on YouTube. In, in no way, shape, or form should you not be exuberant about that win. Absolutely, Michigan dominated that football game. It was 31-10, to 10, and frankly, it wasn't that close. It should have probably been like 38-3. to 3. Michigan left points on the field. And when you look at how the defense has played the first two weeks after all the question marks there, Michigan, after the first two weeks of the college football season, is in the top 20 in the nation in scoring defense. We had so many questions about this team, about culture, about new the new defensive coordinator, uh, you know, whether they could generate a pass rush, et cetera, uh, that have already been answered in the first two weeks. That what's changed for me is I think that the ceiling for this, or I should say the uh, the floor for this team is higher than I thought it was going into the year. I thought it was possible you could be looking at a 5-7, and 6-6 six and six season if things bottom out. If you can run the football like this on this front, 
And this is going to be one of the four, five, six best defenses Michigan will see all season long. If you can run for 300 yards on that defense when they know it's coming, then you're going to be able to run the football pretty effectively on numerous teams on our schedule. Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. Um, that's at least five opponents right there. Northwestern would be six. I'd get you to eight and four. I, I would say you could run the ball like that on Michigan State, but it's the rivalry game and it's in East Lansing and we've seen crazier results uh, when it comes to Sparty, right? And that leaves you now with the three biggies, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. And those are going to be the games that either it's Cade McNamara, Cade, Cade McNamara or somebody else, J.J. McCarthy, they're going to have to hit four, five, six, seven throws to win those football games. Otherwise, you're looking at a eight and four kind of a season. But if, if we're at the point now two weeks in that eight and floor is now the floor, when, frankly, I thought it was the ceiling. I mean, one of my best bet win total this year was one of my best bet win totals this year was Michigan under eight. Uh, if, if that's now our floor, then I don't know how a Michigan fan, you cannot be, you cannot be happy with the progress. But I also understand it kind of depends on your perspective heading into the season. All right. So if you came into this season thinking, without a doubt, no excuses, that, that Michigan needs to be a championship program and it needs to be now, or at least it should be, then you are going to be concerned about the lack of the passing game against Washington. Now, though, if you're in the camp I was in going into the year, that basically after last season with the huge changes in the program, we're basically starting over. You have to be very encouraged. I saw a poster on the Wolverine website uh, compared what he has seen so far to the 2015 season, Harbaugh's first year, but without having to start on the road against a ranked Utah. And I think that's an excellent analogy. So I think things are progressing well. But again, it really comes down to what did you demand coming into the season? I was in the camp that we were pretty much primordial ooze starting all over. And I think that that development is certainly accelerated. We've got answers to several questions now. The big one we still need an answer to, though, can Michigan pass the ball down the field in order to beat the teams that it has to beat to be the program we want it to be? Some other questions you want to get answers to, you can find them from our friends at BetQL. It's the only app you're going to need to make smart bets and get an advantage over your sportsbook. Their Best Bets computer model scans over 350,000 unique bets every year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports. And their model call covers everything from spreads, over-unders, and even player props. Don't do the research yourself, rely on their models, or you can use the data and do the research yourself. I played around a lot with this app last week uh, before the games, and I was just blown away by the amount of information there. And I love getting the sharp data to find out who are the people that do this for a living, who are they backing. It's good to get that information, as well as late-breaking information about injuries, everything else going on with every team and every sport. So head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download BetQL. You can also try to head to try.betql.co slash mp. Again, that's try.betql.co slash mp to get started now and enter the discount code mp at checkout for 25% off any of their subscription offerings. All right. Again, betql.co slash mp and use the discount code mp for Michigan podcasts at checkout to get 25% off.
All right, time now for our weekly 10-minute war with our good friend Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. He himself has a fantastic college football channel here on YouTube covering the gamut of the entire country. Good to see you again, my friend. And we're going to break a little protocol this week. We don't have too many opportunities to discuss Buckeye football defeats here on Michigan Podcast. So when one presents itself, of course, we will take full advantage. So on behalf of every Michigan fan watching that wants to rubberneck the scarlet and gray for a change, what happened to the Buckeyes on Saturday against Oregon? Post-Michigan win, post-Ohio State loss. Have we ever spoken under these circumstances? You talk about breaking protocol. I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) I'm not going to be able just to smirk and and chuckle and brush aside uh, these issues and say, oh, that's a Michigan problem. Um, There is a real problem, Steve, when the entire defense breaks down. Typically, when you see defensive breakdowns, you can point to that corner, that second or third corner we have is really weak. You know, the Michigan problems last year at cornerback, for example, but you still had Daxton Hill, Aiden Hutchinson, and and other strong players. Nobody is playing defense for Ohio State. Nobody showed up, for the most part, against Minnesota, aside from a few outstanding plays, Zach Harrison in particular. Then comes this Oregon game. Nobody showed up. It took until the final two drives of the game, in which, ironically, Ohio State could not be stopped on offense, only shooting itself in the foot in the red zone couldn't be start from a, stopped from a yardage standpoint in moving the ball up and down the field the entire game but once the ohio state defense finally made a couple stops finally put a little bit of pressure on anthony brown forced a few errant throws stopped the running game just a bit to get those two stops at the end of the game the offense bogged down but it is alarming when you know the secondary's bad we've got a new set of linebackers People weren't satisfied with the old linebackers, even though they were NFL draft selections. They were too slow, weren't athletic enough, but at least they were experienced and in the right spots. Now you got new linebackers who don't know where they are. You've got a vanilla scheme that that when it's not working, uh, they, they, here's shades of Don Brown, the defensive scheme not working the entire game and not doing anything when the four can't get there don't you bring more isn't that the old adage and they could not get any defensive pressure the defensive line was supposed to be the nail that held down this defense while uh, the linebackers and the secondary was being developed early in the season but the defensive line was non-existent and when one play works three to four times for 20 and 30 yard gains you would think that they would at least coach up the defense to counter that one play. Basically, Oregon ran a running play to the left side, Steve, where they brought the tight end in motion. So that would clear one defender to send them to the opposite uh, side of the formation. And then they would crash down the wide receiver and he would just form a wall. And the whole left side of the defense was, or the left side of the offense was wide open for 20 and 30 30 yard running plays with the same exact play. It was arguably the worst defensive performance I've ever seen from Ohio state ever. So we're talking about a defense last year, Mark, that was the worst in school history in scoring defense, but did pressure the quarterback fairly well. So a lot of it was just kind of chalked up to inexperience in the secondary. And a lot of thought that Kerry Coombs came in, obviously in a COVID year could not install 
the fullness of a defensive an NFL defensive scheme where he comes from. And so they just ran a lot of base four three, regardless of what the other team did. And that meant linebackers on slot receivers. And sometimes that would get exploited. But as we saw with Devonta Smith in the national championship, but overall, since you know most of Ohio State's opponents didn't have the firepower to match them on the other end, it wasn't a big deal. And the anticipation was with an entire and regular offseason to prepare that a, a more a technically sound defense would be installed. Uh, I, I thought last year's Ohio State defensive weaknesses were really not something most teams, even the better teams in the Big Ten, were built to exploit. This year, I totally disagree. I mean, if you can't hold up at the point of attack now, and it's been two dramatically different styles of offense between, you know, you know you've got Minnesota running a Jim Tressel offense, basically, that's B.J. Flex, a disciple of his. And then you've got Oregon, you know, running more of a finesse style of offense uh, spread, even though they have a very physical offensive line. And you have the same getting gashed uh, up front. That now sounds systemic. And, and if you can't hold up at the point of attack in our league, and now if you're asking Penn State and, dare I say, Michigan, now now even, on a, you know, you don't have to automatically score 38 to beat Ohio State. Now if it's 28 or 31, because you can limit the possessions in the game by, by, by dominating up front, I, I think that does bring them a little bit back to the pack. Am I wrong on that? Am I just wearing maize and blue-colored glasses, Mark? I can't imagine all of these players are underachieving. You know, everybody on the defense is a four- or five-star. Everyone. They have three five-star defensive linemen. They have almost as many five-stars on their defensive line as the entire conference has on its rosters. And, and every nobody's making plays. They force no turnovers. They got no negative plays in the backfield. One late in the game, and they finally had a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage. JTT, the number one uh, player uh, in the nation, the, the recruits who's only been on campus for a month, finally made, uh, batted a pass that was key to getting a stop late in the game. So I've got a point at, yeah, the defensive scheme, the defensive concepts and coordinators, because I just can't believe that all of these guys are underachieving uh, to this degree. And, and another worrisome component to all this is Josh Proctor. Uh, they're they're right. leading safety, uh, who's not a great player, but he knows what he's doing. He calls the defense. He gets everybody lined up. He's out for the season. He's gone. Mm -hmm. And that is a worrisome thing because his replacements were lost. And that would make a defensive coordinator very hesitant to provide more, more of a detail or nuanced style of defense when the guy who makes sure you're lined up properly is gone. Yeah. So I, those are some interesting meetings going on at the Woody Hayes football complex this week, for sure. Let's switch gears and talk about Michigan, what you saw from them against Washington. Your thoughts, Mark. I know that Michigan fans, and I spoke to many of them after the game and some, some Michigan uh, football writers slash analysts, they wanted to see more passing. So so it didn't seem to be a positive response to the Michigan game after the game. It seemed to be more like, we don't want to throw for 44 yards passing. That's not going to work. And I understand that. And I would have liked to have seen Michigan once they had – they, they established dominance pretty much from the first drive of the game and had control of the game. But, of course, the score didn't get to a place where they could get totally comfortable uh, until the second half where they would have take some, taken some shots downfield and worked on the passing game. But in terms of an identity, I don't think that this is a bad thing. We've got a head coach who loves smash mouth football. He loves tight ends and he loves fullbacks and he loves running the football. 
we don't know, I personally at least don't know um, the skill set of the offensive line. We always think quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers and determining what is the strength of an offense. But maybe this offensive line, offensive lines in general, typically want to run block before they pass block. So maybe the skill set of this offense and the strengths lie in the running game. Now, are they going to be able to throw for 50 yards a game and win the Big Ten? No. Uh, they need to be a prolific passing team to win a national championship, but this team's not going to win a national championship. Based on what we've seen thus far through two weeks, could they win the Big Ten championship? Maybe that's becoming in play now. And we've, we're seeing Iowa win by executing an offense that only totals 175 to 200 yards a game. We've seen Wisconsin do it for years to a certain extent. No, not 50 yards passing, but they could throw this the ball 15 to 18 times a game efficiently and effectively with a couple explosive plays, and that might be the identity and ingredients for this team to make a serious run to Indianapolis. Final thing before we let you go. Two weeks in. What sticks out to you that's not Michigan-Ohio State-related when it comes to the Big Ten, either positively or negatively? Well, I'm going to go obvious and go to Iowa. Uh, of course, what they're doing defensively is extraordinary, and it's not sustainable from an offensive standpoint, meaning that their defense is turning uh, into points. Uh, they already they have 37 points pace. off turnovers, Mark, in two games. A lot of teams would like to have that for a season. Okay, they have that in two games. <laughs> so, so that's not sustainable. Although, hey, uh, I think it was Jimmy Johnson who took over the Dallas Cowboys and said, we need to score this many touchdowns on defense, and they actually did it. Uh, so so I think that they're going to continue to do that because I, I think that that is a skill, but they are lucking into some of it. I, I do think that Iowa's for real, and I do think that the much of their offensive limitations are being limited by the situation in the scoreboard. They will open it up when they need to, uh, to a degree, and do the things on offense that they need to do, I believe, and are, are getting the cushion from their defense to be able to develop the offense, work on it in practice, and they'll be ready for more explosive games and more high-scoring games a little bit later, to a degree. Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. Check out his YouTube channel, Outstanding Content, no matter what team you root for, but including Michigan. Yes, he does talk to other Michigan analysts, not just yours truly. Uh, so, Mark, we appreciate you, and thanks again for your time this week on Michigan Podcast, brother. We're especially exceptional when we get this uh, Steve Dace guy on, and we're going to have that segment released a little bit later this week. Thank you, brother. Hopefully you get to talk about more Buckeye losses. We appreciate you. Thanks. Hey, folks, uh, it's been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $1 on any football game this week and receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. And this football season, all customers can swing big with DraftKings same-gay parlays. Same-gay parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, place a same-game parlay on any NFL game, and you'll be credited up to $25 if your bet loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. And the best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MICHIGANPODCAST to receive $150 in free bets instantly 
when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code Michigan Podcast to get $150 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, if you if you know you or you know someone that has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 plus Michigan only eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you two weeks in based on what you've seen from both Michigan and the rest of the big 10. Are you more or less or the same optimistic as you were coming into the season? 55.3% of you are more as am I. 37% of you are the same, 7.7% of you are less. And those have to be Buckeye fans. I I don't know how you could possibly be less optimistic. I could certainly see why you're still arms folded, skeptical, but I cannot possibly see how you are less optimistic. This has been a far better start than just about even the most um, obnoxiously optimistic Michigan fan probably projected. That brings us to our feedback of the week. And it comes from Beat NIU, who says, People keep thinking being concerned about the pass game is complaining, but it's quite the opposite. I just see the writing on the wall. Harbaugh wants an offense that lives and dies by the run. And if history is to repeat itself, it'll, it will die by it in Madison again. Agreed. If they, if they, if run, the ball in the, if they run the ball 56 times in, in Madison, Wisconsin, first of all, they're probably winning the football game. Uh, so if, if, if they're, if they get six yards a pop, they're average, they're winning the football game. That being said, I think that's the best defensive front we're going to face all year long. I'd be surprised if they were able to run it like that. And in that environment, yes, Cade McNamara or somebody else is going to have to make some throws in order to keep defenses honest. I agree with that. Still doesn't take away at all though, from the outstanding start to the season. One more time, let me tell you about BetQL to make sure that you get started with our sponsor and the only app you're going to need to beat your sportsbook. Find their information along with a 25% off discount code in the description of this video and also check out the special BetMGM offer in the description in order to receive a free year of BetQL and other sportsbook signup offers and bonuses. BetQL, the number one app to compare betting odds and is a must get if you want to beat your sportsbook this football season. Well, That'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, follow, five-star review, whichever the case may be, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, however you access Michigan Podcast each and every week. Please keep doing that so we can find more Michigan fans just like you and follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Keep up to date on what we think about all things maize and blue in between episodes. Until next week, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.